I don't think this is new, but you know the way that I summarize it is you take all the data and then you pad it with storytelling. And so you drive with your visuals on the data, but then you have the real attributes of your customers telling you, and then you take those snippets and show, you know, here's the real life factual data that's coming back. And we do this for market research. We do this for escalating support cases. We do this for product road mapping. We do this for all the things that we're advocating for our customers. And so it's really, and what the beautiful thing about customer success is that you can apply this stuff to almost any board. Gainsight presents the Game Changer Podcast with host Adam Joseph. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Gainsight Game Changer Podcast series. I'm Adam Joseph, your host and the regional VP of customer success at Gainsight. So when I look across so many organizations that I'm fortunate enough to work with and see the amazing results that their CS teams generate for their customers, one of the most common threads that I see is that they've got an incredible team culture that enables them to be successful. And I remember a Harvard Business Review article that I read some time ago that said, culture is the glue that binds an organization together and it's the hardest thing for competitors to copy. As a result, it can be a lasting source of competitive advantage. And I think that's definitely true. But like many things, creating a winning customer success culture is far easier said than done. And several important factors like compensation, manageable workloads, having the right tech stack, recognition inside your business, personal and professional development are going to be key. Even with that said, it's also important to recognize that customer success can't do it on its own when it comes to culture. Every other part of your business has got to be brought into the idea that your customer's success is a company priority and an ethos that's relevant to everyone, not just the name of a department or indeed an individual. So I'm thrilled to say that helping me dig deeper into this really fascinating topic is Eduardo Amarin, Global Head of Customer Success at SendCloud. Eduardo, a very, very warm welcome to you. Thank you, Adam. Happy to be here and thanks for the invite. It's great to have you on. And Eduardo, tell us before we kind of find a little bit more about you, tell us a little bit about SendCloud and your role there. So I've been working for SendCloud now for almost five months as the head of CS, helping scale the CS organization. And basically what we are trying to do is to simplify the entire logistics process for merchants, online merchants, and for owners of online stores and to really allow them to focus on what they do best whether it's selling chocolates, selling socks, whatever they might be selling online, and not really having to spend an awful amount of time uh, dealing with the complexity that is often associated with the logistics and uh, all the shipping process and so on. So we try to remove that barrier from their business and really help them grow and scale their operations so they are successful and we can be successful in the process as well. Fantastic. Now, People can probably tell from your accent, I'm based in the UK. And although you how originally from Portugal, you, you don't work or live there anymore. You're in the Netherlands now, right? Indeed. I've been in the Netherlands for the past almost seven years. So working in Rotterdam originally and now since five months in Eindhoven in the south. And I understand you recently, I feel very jealous because I haven't yet traveled. Now the world is opening up. I very much look forward to doing so. But I know you traveled home relatively recently to Portugal. So I'd love to know when you went back there, what was the kind of thing you craved doing the most and you enjoyed the most on your return visit? That was a long anticipated uh, visit. 
after one year and a half. Uh, so the first thing I did actually was uh, what I pretty much do each time I go back to Portugal is go back to the sea where I come from originally in a small city in the coast between Lisbon and Porto, and then take care of all the cravings, whether it's fresh fish or some nice meat. So I had the chance to do it all quite quickly, actually. Within a few days, I took care of all the cravings that I, that I was waiting for the past year. Yeah, you paint quite the picture. I can't wait to get back to do some, both from a professional and a personal standpoint. But just my world has just been my local area now for way, way too long. So I can't wait to pack the bags and go and explore again. Well, look, let's kind of dig into the main topic at hand here, which is all around creating that winning customer success culture. And as I said in my intro, that there's so many facets to this, and it, it's kind of a glib thing to say, let's create a winning culture. But in actuality, it's a really tough thing to do. And I referenced some things like remuneration, the correct tech stack, having recognition, personal and professional development. But in your experience, both at building the org at SendCloud and in your experiences prior to that, what do you think are some of the foundational aspects that can help both create and maintain foster and grow a, a winning customer success culture, Eduardo? I would say context and the framework that you operate in is, I would say, one of the biggest factors playing a role there. So if you are joining an organization that already has those fundamentals, I think your job becomes much easier. And certainly at SendCloud, those were already very strong pillars where the entire business was uh, pretty much harnessing their operation. And we have these three main pillars being people coming first, culture being second, and third, business comes as a third pillar. Once to them, there's not really a sequential order to them, but these are really the pillars that we operate. And uh, that really helps when you have this consistency and you know exactly what we are trying to build. That makes it easier for you to sort of take on and uh, add on top of the existing foundational layer, let's say. So it's super interesting what you said, like it's easier if the culture already exists and someone's moving into it, which I, I guess and in terms of your three pillars, and it's really interesting that you put people and culture at the very forefront. So how can you make sure that when you bring someone new into the team that they're going to be able to add to your culture rather than be that kind of personality type that maybe doesn't isn't a great fit? How do you go around finding the right people to fit into your three pillars? First of all, I think it's recognizing that culture is not really static and there's no inertia. So we've built something that we are proud of, but we also know that it's in constant mutation and the people that we are bringing onto the team, whether it's a success, whether it's across the organization, we have high hopes in terms of how they can not only blend in to the existing culture, but also add on top and help us create the next culture and the next team. So we are very open about that. So we want people that, of course, come in and blend straight into the culture, but also have the ambition. They are bold. They are. They bring, they challenge some of the things that we are doing to help us take the next step. And I think that's really important. And we see companies being somewhat protective of their culture oftentimes, and that might be a blocking force from, let's say, adopting and embracing new forms of looking into different problems, uh, managing teams, and uh, look at the future as well. So we try to be quite open about that, recognizing that we've done something that is we are proud of. And if you walk around and if you have the chance to visit our offices, you'll see that pride and you'll see that uh, glue bringing us all together as a team. But at the same time, we want to be bold and we want to keep on changing it and improving on what we already have. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I think culture, like anything in business, it has to evolve. The minute you say we've done it and now we'll just fix this in concrete forever, I think is probably the wrong move. So, And especially if you think about how companies evolve as well, the, the culture at a startup, which if anyone listening to this, I mean, I've, I've worked in a startup and it's kind of manic nature and just having to do everything you need to do to keep the company going. And then as you evolve to a, from a startup to a scale up and then ultimately, hopefully to an enterprise business, there's a certain culture 
and person that's attracted to certain types of businesses and their evolution. So I know some amazing people who love working in the manic nature of a of a startup, but maybe are not quite the, the right type to work in an enterprise business. It just doesn't do it for them. Just going back to what we said about kind of the importance of, of people and culture. Clearly, if you've already joining a business that has a thriving organization, has a, a really positive culture, it's somewhat easier. But if you're maybe the first person into a customer success role, if you're the first leader or in that, maybe you've got a dual role, a kind of player coach type thing. How do you build a framework that you can then build on as the team gets bigger? Um, how do you kind of evolve that over time? What are your thoughts there? Here I come again with my rose-tainted glasses, and I, I was lucky and fortunate enough that uh, the team that when I started my role, I inherited or I came into a context once again that already looked at customer success in the early stages as having a pivotal role in the growth of the organization. And uh, not just as we hear it oftentimes these days, it wasn't really a lip service. They weren't saying that uh, customer success was important to sound good or because that's where all our organizations are heading towards, but they genuinely believe in the importance of growing our customer base. And those foundations were already there. And the mission was very clear to kind of carve out that identity and take the team to the next step as we were scaling. And we are scaling very rapidly, the size of our team, improving the processes, bringing the tools, the tech to support in these efforts. But once again, that main idea was already there. So it was pretty much carving out and working on the details and making sure that the entire team will actually chip into the vision as well and be excited about the vision. And uh, once again, I think it's really the context plays a, a huge role and how, you, how your teams as well operate on a day-to-day -day basis. And just bringing that context that it's a great time to be in a CS world, right? It's a great time to be joining a CS team. It's a great time to add value and to contribute to create a team from scratch in the CS space. And the importance that it has and it will keep on having in the business as a whole and the impact, it's visible, it's noticeable, and it's celebrated by the entire company. So I think that really helped and that's, if I would say, a stepping stone since I joined, that was really rallying the team around that uh, that vision and then trickling down and start working on making that vision a reality, bringing it to the operational level, if you will. I mean, I can understand why it would be a period for such growth at SendCloud as well. I guess you're at that really great inflection point of customer success as a discipline is exponentially growing all of the time. And of course, the industry that SendCloud work in within e-commerce, and for obvious reasons, you know, that's exploding as well and, and doesn't look like that's going to slow down anytime soon as well. So as you're looking to, to grow the team, and this is a debate that I've had with many people, and I'm not sure there is a perfect answer to this, but it's an interesting discussion point. So when you're looking to bring someone in and you're trying to look at their relevant experience areas. I'm sure you have applications from people who have been at tenure as a customer success manager, but potentially have never worked in e-commerce before. Or it could be the opposite way around, that you've got someone who's very strong in e-commerce, but not had a CSM role. Do you think, where do you strike that balance between domain expertise or industry knowledge? It really depends. And this is also a buzzword these days, but it really depends on what you are optimizing for. And indeed, there's no right answer or no right strategy. But in the beginning, our aim was quite clear. We have uh, an urgency, if you will, of adding people to the team because we wanted to start a training and we felt the need of actually handling a growing portfolio of customers. Let's say our team was spreading too thin. So uh, we were optimizing for speed. So in this sense, we were lucky enough, fortunate enough to have an amazing team actually working already and doing an amazing job with the customer base that they have. 
and also scaling up really fast in the way of they were learning the new processes, adjusting to new features and functionalities and being able to really make it successful. But they also realized and they understood the need of having a bigger team and actually start creating specialization. So that was the main key in the beginning was operating for speed and increasing the size of the team. But with a clear idea that at some point, and that's the point where we are right now, we wanted to build out different specialized teams within the team with the advantage that the ones who are already playing a part, they will have a huge flexibility in picking what exactly they wanted and the sort of path they wanted to pursue and own it. So that was also a strong message and something that we see often at SendCloud. We allow people to take risks and to follow their ambitions and to have this entrepreneurial approach to create their own role and to create the job, obviously making sure that it connects with the needs that we have and overall vision and strategy. And that's what we've done. So we are now carving out enterprise team as we move up market and we have some of our most experienced CSMs who have all the context and they have all of the product knowledge. They are playing a role in kind of incubating that team and running with it. And they will most likely be the team leads and the leaders of that team. We are also looking into having uh, onboarding specialists or content specialists and making the bridge between content and product marketing and having perhaps an education team in the future that will also be making the bridge with support and looking at things as ticket deflection, but at the same time giving us all the tools to uh, look into our low-touch or tech strategy, uh, tech-touch approach in the near future. So there's a lot of things coming together, but definitely having, let's say, the number of people that allows us to pursue and focus on different areas and then move the knobs and adjust as we see fit. So that's definitely our approach. And as we keep growing, we just want to add more people. And when it comes to the profiles, going directly to the question, talent is talent. And we live in a shortage of talent in a way. So it's a highly competitive environment. So we do have a framework and we do have, let's say, preference. If you would ask me, we want to allow our lines to grow within the organization, to have a very clear path of growth and to go for it, to be ambitious and to want to make that trajectory with us. And that's our preference. But obviously, if we have senior operators, senior profiles within the CS space that really come to add a lot of value and to shake things up the way that we are doing things and allow us a different perspective, that's uh, definitely a go. And that's something that we are actively looking for as well. I mean, one of the things I was really fascinated to hear is just how the customer success organization has evolved from, it used to be the only role in town when it came to customer success was that of the CSM. And to see it now, these kind of areas of specialization, whether it's onboarding, we've seen in other businesses, the introduction of what we're calling the digital CSM or pooled CSM, customer success operations. One of the things that I love is that you could spend your whole career now within customer success in specialized roles within it, rather than in the old days, maybe customer success being seen as somewhat as a, a stepping stone to other parts of the organization. And in terms of how you've kind of understood where you've wanted to have these areas of specialization, has that been kind of your team coming to you and saying, look, I think we could do a lot better if we focused in this one core area, for example, customer education or onboarding, or has it been a kind of more of a top-down approach where you as a leader have seen, look, here is where I'm assessing some gaps in what we're doing. And if we had more specialization there, it would really help. Or is it kind of a mixture of, of both of those things? 
I think we meet at the middle and that's one of the things I love and something that I've been trying to really push our teams and in general is really allowing people to take ownership and to take the initiative. And you will be amazed by the results that this approach brings oftentimes. We have our global team meetings and obviously we try to share success stories. One of the things that I'm always fascinated by and asking the teams to share across is how have they, in an unconventional way, they created a solution for themselves or they actually opened up space to do something differently in a totally different way that we were used to do? I guess this is what you said earlier about having that entrepreneurial approach, right? Not just thinking within the confines of their job role, but try and think beyond it. Indeed. But sometimes you need an extra push to do that. So that was number one, really like uh, if it works out and if it's successful, that's been my message since day one. You will run with it and you'll be in the face, uh, the forefront of the celebration. Uh, if it goes south, I'll be there and the rest of the team will be there to back you up and we'll just try to learn fast and keep on going. So we are seeing amazing results and sometimes we are actually actively trying to break down some of these frameworks and say, I remember a couple of weeks back, I was saying, okay, guys, let's imagine that for the next two days, you could focus on anything you would want to do and do it differently, no matter how differently and in what degree of a change you would want to implement. But think about in those terms and what would you do differently in your day to day? And you'll be surprised with the amount of ideas and everyone started coming forward with suggestions, with their own even analysis that they were using in their own Google Sheet and doing in their own day-to-day job that they were actually encouraged to share with the team. And we are now incorporating a lot of these things into our day-to-day jobs and to the benefit of the entire team. And that's, for me, it's one of the highs of this job and dealing within the space, the ability that you are creating methodologies, you are creating the way Knowing your business well and understanding the context, then it's pretty much a a blank canvas that you can do so much with. So that's really exciting. Well, I think it's to your immense credit as a leader and the culture that you've exhibited and brought to SendCloud as well, where you've created the environment where your team feels like they're able to contribute outside of their core discipline to potentially grow and know that failure is, is just one of the prices that you pay for innovation. But even in my experience, if I think about over my career, I've learned far more from my failures than I have my successes. But without, I've been fortunate to be surrounded by some amazing businesses and the management team that enabled me to do it. And I don't think personally I'd be where I am now unless I'd failed multiple times throughout my career. So can really relate to what you're saying. And maybe just to finish off with Wado, with, you know, you and I were discussing actually before we recorded the pod about how we've kind of gone from being always in the office to being always at home and now trying to find a new normal and this kind of hybrid where most organizations have got this flexible approach to being at home versus being in the office, which is great on one hand, but I think it does add a, a challenge when it comes to some, especially the two pillars that you put at the forefront there, people and culture, where you're not surrounded together. And particularly even hiring people and you're growing at quite the rate whereby you might have never met someone that has been working with you in person for maybe a year or so. So what can you do in this kind of new world of hybrid working to make sure that things like your people and your culture aren't adversely challenged? We are trying to adjust and we are definitely still learning with it. So we've seen very, very successful cases and even companies that were fully remote before the whole pandemic crisis. I can think of GitLab that I had the chance of collaborating with, and they have an amazing, really an outstanding culture. And you feel that culture all across the different business areas and the different stakeholders that you meet. And that's remarkable. And I was always very inspired. I think they got out a handbook, sort of a white paper about their methodology and how they achieved that. 
And it's uh, an inspiring um, case study on how they've managed to keep that culture alive, to build on that culture, to keep changing the culture and moving and becoming successful, very, very successful in what they are doing and while keeping that uh, the cultural element alive. And um, we are trying to learn as well, obviously keeping the flexibility, but we also know that, uh, and I can speak for myself personally, I love the office space. I, Of course, I, I do enjoy the flexibility that now a hybrid environment allows us, but being in the office, especially at our role, the way I envision the, the customer success role of this connecting tissue between teams, of having a, a very proactive approach when it comes to solve problems, understand where others are coming from, you achieve this certainly outside of the office, you can do it. And uh, with all the, the tools that we have nowadays in our arsenal, it's very much possible. But I do believe that we get something extra by being in the office and by being all together. And that certainly has helped us as a team as well. And as we grow this team from nine people team or from eight people team to now over 25, and we do allow ourselves the moments to bond, to get to know each other behind the results, behind the OKR, behind all the things that we need to achieve. And uh, I can give you, it's a very interesting example that maybe encapsulates everything that we've been talking about earlier this week. So we have uh, our colleagues from the office in Munich visiting us here in Eindhoven. And uh, we have also newbies, as we call all the new joinees uh, within the company. So we decided to invite them from the office in Munich to have this week of onboarding with the team here to get to know different teams, to get to know the office, to get to know the office, uh, the city, and bring this proximity to the teams. And we went out to this restaurant with a, what we call a newbie lunch and also with other members from our team in Munich. And at some point, the waiter came to us and he asked us, okay, guys, is this a business lunch, a business meeting? And we said, yeah, we are just having lunch. We have some new people coming on board. And I think he was 19 or 20. And he said, guys, this looks amazing. The vibe and the environment that you guys created here, we kind of filled up the, the entire place by ourselves. So we were, of course, a bit loud and we were concerned they might be you know, not happy. And he was amazed and he was asking us, okay, what's the company? And we said, hey, we are SendCloud. And at some point he says, okay, I actually know your building. I see this big sign. Listen, I'm uh, finishing my studies in, in technology and IT, and I'm looking for an internship for next year. I would really love to be part of your team. And we told him, hey, come to the office one of these days, drop by. Let's have coffee with us and see what opportunities we have. And we are always looking for young talent, young people coming out of school to join our teams as well. We have in my team, we have one in Munich and one in here in Eindhoven, they are doing their school internships with us, 20 weeks, 40 weeks. And we are also trying to foster that and allow people to grow and have their first experience. And we believe that it definitely pays off in the long term. And uh, this is an example of that culture and how that sort of feeling of togetherness in a random moment. And this was captured by someone that was actually waiting our table and he was impressed. And uh, I hope that uh, maybe in a year time, I'll be giving you an update. And he, he went on to do his internship with us at SoundCloud. So, well, I can't think of a better way of ending the podcast. You know, what great example of someone completely external who was just around the room and could just sense the positivity and togetherness of your team. Eduardo, thank you so much. I found it a fascinating discussion. I'm sure everyone else listening has as well. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Adam. It was a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks. Thanks a lot for the invite. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gainsight Game Changer podcast. Please follow, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
For more information about all of our episodes, please visit Gainsight.com. This podcast is produced and edited by StudioPod. To learn more about their work, go to studiopodsf.com.